Welcome to episode 31 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me this week is a, a man I usually just describe as my co-host but um, he's coming in this time as a silver medalist in the second annual Oberhausen Open Bowling Tournament. <laughs> it is none other than Richard Benson aka Benno. I mean have you recovered from your crazy weekend in Germany Benno? Just about. It really has taken me the better part of 10, 11 days to get back to normal. I was lucky to get home, to be honest, because a lot of people got stuck in the airport coming back. There was a Storm Eberhard, I think it was, kept a couple of my friends, the Ogden boys, do the Graps and Claps uh, blog and podcast, got uh, stuck in the airport for tw- almost 24 hours, I think. Uh, but yeah, I at least managed to get back, and yeah, I've come come back with my medal from the Oberhausen Open and my trophy. Um, I'm not going to brag, but I don't know, there were... 50, 60 teams in there, and we we, we came seconds. We lost by one pin, uh, which yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to shut up going on about. Literally one bowl and pin was was the difference. Uh, I just keep thinking back to all those times where I got you know a six or it could have been a seven, could an eight, it could have been a nine. Uh, but oh well, we'll be back in uh, it was myself and um, Patrick from WXW. We'll we'll be back for tag league and we'll be going for that gold medal. Indeed, hopefully it'll be gold next time. And uh, and also joining us is uh, someone who joined you on your travels to Germany, uh, the Irish legend that is Jamesy. Jamesy, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks very much, guys. I'm not sure about legend, but um, just like Benno, I'm trying to recover from our escapades in Germany. And then just when my voice had recovered... Um, we were off to the National Stadium on Saturday night to see OTT. So it's it's been a very, very tough eight days in my vocal cords. And it's probably a good thing we left it till today to record because I would have been doing a lot of croaking down the line, actually, um, <laughs> if it had earlier in the week. It's, it's, it's been tough on the body. I, I'm getting a bit old for all these wrestling trips, I think, at this stage. Yeah, I think we all are. And um, I mean, I sort of feel like the nuclear on the block here. I mean, you two have known each other for a number of years, haven't you, Benno? Yeah, we first. When did we first meet, Jamesy? Two thousand six, was it? Um, I think it was 06 or oh yeah, the, the yeah, first six. ROH Liverpool shows. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had the one show in Liverpool and one show in Broxbourne, and you were uh, you were one of the many people on my bus trip that I did between those two events. I was a young once, you know, fan twenty twenty one. I organised a bus trip for fans going between the, the, the two venues where Ring of Honor were running. Again, the the weekend of the famous uh, Daniel Bryan and Nigel McGuinness match. Um, yeah, organised a big fan bus trip and uh, and Jamesy came along. Um, but yeah, something about, I don't know what it was, but being a 20-year-old with absolutely no experience of running trips like that for some reason. Ring of Honor uh, and uh, Alex Shane got in touch at the time and had me have all the wrestlers on the bus as well. I don't know if you have you got uh, fond memories of it, Jamesy. I have hazy memories. I think is the best way of describing it. Um, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, like I, I have great memories of that trip. I mean, that, that was the first. I had been to a few independent shows in Dublin. Um, Irish Whip Wrestling would have been running at the time, um, but like there, there was nothing like OTT back in those days in Ireland. So. Um, myself and Benno would have been described as ROH bots back in the oh, day. Basically, absolutely. if if you think about the most crazy, dedicated, diehard progress fans who can hear no bad about the promotion, <laughs> multiply that by about a hundred. That's what the ROH bots were. Yes. And myself and Benno would have been regulars on the ROH message board. And then, yeah, I was booking my flights to come over to see the the Liverpool show with the Big Danielson McGuinness match and heard about this bus. And Benno had been informed by the powers that be not to tell any of the marks that the wrestlers would be on the bus. <laughs> so we we showed up bleary eyed at about six a.m. outside the the Olympia in. Liverpool City Centre to be greeted by the sight of Benno um, having to drag who had with the Briscoes, Prince Nana Davy Richards, Austin Aries out of their beds. They, they'd been in the nightclub till about four in the morning. Um, they they so were not happy drag. either. Like, no, uh, no. I literally had to go. I went into the, the, the wrestler hotel and no one had even told them that there was a bus <laughs> taking them and it was going to be a bus filled with fans. To say they weren't happy wow. was, uh, would say the least. And yet they were there were certain things going on in that hotel that uh, I still can't talk about to this no, day. But yeah, no. just let's just say it wasn't just the wrestlers uh, who were in the hotel when I uh, was going around knocking on doors <laughs> trying to uh, get a sleepy Jimmy Rave out of bed and the uh, the rest of the roster. Please yeah, tell me you wearing your uh, ROH tracksuit when you went to wake him up as well. <laughs> I did own an ROH tracksuit. See, when Jamesy <laughs> says we were the we were the progress fans of the day, I mean, yeah, I've got to remind myself sometimes when I see the very, very hardcore defensive fans of uh, of certain promotions that, yeah, I was very much one of them once too. I think I had a matching beanie hat, and I bet you I was wearing my CM Punk t-shirt underneath it as well. <laughs> I if you go on Benno's Twitter, actually, didn't you post a picture of you in full tracksuit with either Punk or or Chris Daniels or something. Christopher Daniels, yeah. I did get a picture with... That was from International Showdown, which you were at as well, weren't you, Martin? Uh, yeah, I got a picture with them. Uh, I think I've said that before on the podcast. That was the, the ill-fated day where I got a photo with all of my favourite ROH wrestlers. And, you know, the young kids today won't understand, but back then we used things called disposable cameras. Yeah. And I went <laughs> on a night out with my disposable camera and lost it. So, yeah, unfortunately, that one photo that I put on Twitter is the lone remaining one. Or maybe fortunately, because it's, it's got me in my daft ROH tracksuit. <laughs> Excellent stuff. And uh, jumping right to the present day, and uh, I mean, let's jump straight into OTT from this past weekend as they presented their uh, biggest show of the year, Scrapamania 5, on the 16th of March at the National Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, myself and James, we were there live in the building for this one. And uh, yeah, this was my first time at an OTT show and only my second time in Dublin. Um, according to my parents, I went as a child, but I can't really remember much about it. It must have been about eight or nine years old and um, i had a pretty rocky road getting there on saturday as the evans opened up in manchester and seemingly every train from manchester piccadilly to the airport was cancelled or heavily delayed so uh luckily managed to find a taxi driver who didn't mind breaking every traffic law in existence to get us to the airport <laughs> on time only for our uh, ryanair flight to be delayed by about an hour so uh raced all the way there for nothing but uh but anyway, yeah, managed to get over to Dublin now before showtime. Had a chance to check out their headline pub across from the National Stadium, which is a cracking place, really friendly stuff, and an eye-watering amount of Irish and foreign gin on the menu, which is always a good thing. Uh, yeah, really impressed with the National Stadium. Great venue, seems like the perfect size for events like this. Normally holds boxing events as our 
taxi driver from Dublin Airport was regaling <laughs> us with stories of the Steve Collins matches he'd seen there many moons ago and had no idea that wrestling ran there these days. But, uh, yeah, very interesting chat with him. And uh, the setup inside there is great. Great big screen. Uh, really nice venue, I thought, Jamesy. Oh, it's brilliant. It's um, it's for anyone who's been lucky to go to Japan. I've heard people describe it as very, very like Cork and Hall. Um, brilliant sightlines. Um, easy to get to from city centre. There's lots of buses run into the area. Um, the, the stage is, is is perfect for setting up big screens and that kind of thing. Um, just just a great venue. Like I mean, we'll be talking about WXW later on in the show. And like one of the small criticisms I'd have is it, it is very hard to see what's going on in the ring. That's mm-hmm. just not an issue in, in the national stadium. Every seat, even the ones at the very far corner, right to ringside perfect sidelines um so yeah fantastic venue for wrestling we're very lucky to have it yeah definitely and um i mean let's go straight into the main event here this was the main selling point of the show the rematch of one of the best matches of 2018 ott champ walter taking on jordan devlin and we had uh, another excellent hype video by sean ryan the other week that had shades of rocky four with the training sequence with devlin racing up a cliff to be confronted by an enormous walter wading in through the sea. I mean, that looked absolutely fantastic, brilliant visual, and uh, even featured a few familiar voices at the start with the Burt Reynolds of Brit Rest, JP Hulihan, and uh, John Pollock talking about the first match. Uh, another great video, wasn't it, Benno, really? Oh, yeah. It was, it was just, it's one of the, every time Sean Ryan puts one of these things out, I mean, he's, he's set the bar so high, hasn't he, that it's it's hard to kind of, it must be hard to come up with creative ways. But yeah, that that scene of uh, the giant Walter uh, <laughs> in the RC and Devlin uh, running up mountains, it was just, yeah, just the perfect, simple but perfect in execution. And yeah, like you say, it was cool to hear uh, to JP on there and cool to hear John on there as well, uh, who's been a big fan of those videos himself, hasn't he? Um, but they, they really add so much to the presentation. And yeah, as soon as I saw that thing, I was very jealous I wasn't uh, going to be there in the National Stadium with you. I mean, Jamesy, I'm sure you're familiar with the locations from this video. I mean, it's great, great location for uh, the shoot with uh, Devlin's training video there. Yeah, it's it's actually Bray, which which um, I'm sure most people will know from hearing Devlin announced and Finn Balor announced in WWE. That's the it's like the seaside town um, in North County Wicklow, which is just south of Dublin. So that's another nice little touch. They they actually took the effort to go back to Bray, where Devlin is from, to fill in the training video, which I think is just another one of the small touches that OTT brings to these things, you know. And um, I think this this was like I don't think anything will ever top the star Devlin video that they did the last time like that and, and and you don't you you're unrealistic to expect them to ever top that you know uh, I think star in particular is such a great subject to have just to, how good a speaker he is and that kind of thing but I think this video was a perfect video watching it live in the venue it's only two to three minutes long it's um it's quick it's easy to take in if you'd never seen if you're if you're in if you're at OTT for the first time, which I think quite a few people would be at these big shows, you see enough in that small short video to kind of get what's going on. You, you've got the monster heel champion, you've got the the underdog local um, guy trying to win his title back from him, and it, it came across perfectly in the venue. It was a perfect like, venue video, I thought. Yeah, definitely, completely agree there. And, and like you say, it really does get across uh, the match immediately to you if you're unfamiliar with it before. And um, I mean, let's jump into the match itself. Um, I mean, it started off hot and heavy as 
Devlin threw himself into Walter going for his package pile driver finisher almost immediately. I mean, the crowd were on the feet for this uh, immediately as soon as the match had started. Um, he couldn't get the big Austrian up. Walter took control for most of the matches. Devlin made various comebacks. Walter even picking up the Irish flag at one point, draping it over Devlin and uh, <laughs> delivering an elbow drop on him. And I mean, some of the people around me must have been casuals because they were very angry at that when Walter was dancing around with the flag there. Uh, I mean, Walter tried various ways to beat Devlin with Jordan kicking out. I mean, Walter even tried to get DQ'd at one point. Ref wasn't having any of that. Uh, Walter trying to leave with the belt before being forced back to the ring by OTT promoter Joe Cabray. I mean, Luther Ward himself there making an appearance. And uh, Devlin finally a second package pile driver for the win to an absolutely thunderous response by uh, around 2,000 people in the building, I have to say. One of the matches of the year, an excellent contest with one of the most electric crowds I have ever been a part of live. Just a perfect match, can't recommend it enough. Devlin even getting a Bret Hart WrestleMania 10 moment as the OTT locker room filled the ring and noisted him up for the feel-good moment as a champion, Jamesy. Oh, yeah, like um, I, I have no hesitation in saying that this is my current match of the year. Five stars, sometimes you, you get a bit of five-star fear or you doubt yourself. Um, leaving the venue I thought it was that and when I watched it back it just cemented it in my mind I thought this was the perfect ending to just an incredible feud that's gone on now for eight or nine months Um, you know there's the very obvious stuff like the like you've mentioned such a hot crowd like it's it's very rare in modern wrestling that you can get people involved like to me it was it was the same as being in the crowd at a sporting event, at a big boxing match, watching an Ireland match, um, people people believed. You know, people kind of are prepared with a match like this to to put what they know about wrestling aside, and you know, just for half an hour, suspend their belief and cheer as if what's happening is is a complete shoot. You know, and I think that's a very very rare thing, and it's a very special thing to be able to do in this day and age. Um, I think that not only do you have the very obvious stuff like the hot crowd, the atmosphere, the build up, there was lots and lots. And it was only when I watched it back, I kind of saw these little subtle things that kind of elevated into an even better match. Um, the, 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 Walter chopping the ring post is a thing that he does. It, it's, it's a thing I'm nearly tired of him doing in his matches at this stage. It's a kind of thing he leans into an awful lot in a lot of his matches. In this match, he teased doing it stopped himself at the last minute and then it was actually Devlin who punched the ring post and Mm. straight away that was another little just another little thing that kind of got you through the first 10 to 15 minutes of the match Walter would attack the hand they'd made such a big deal in in the in the build-up about Devlin's four-punch combination if you listen to Angus Og McAnally talking about these four-punch combinations that he throws in one of the matches building up to this one Walter had cowered away from Devlin when he'd been throwing these punches all of a sudden he couldn't use that right hand anymore. So more, they kept putting barriers in Devlin's way where you thought he'd win and then you thought if he gets that right hand, he might win. Then that's taken away. Walter trying everything he could in his power to, to, to get out of winning, to, to get out of losing the match. Uh, pushed the referee, which is a callback to the pack match um, last yeah. month in the, in the National Basketball Arena. In that match, he pushed Foxy the ref and he got himself disqualified. In this match, he tried the same thing. Foxy wasn't having any of it, sent him back into the ring. He tried to run for the hills. The, the roster came out, as you said, to send him back. That like that, that's a risky one in a lot of situations. I think that could come across as a little bit cheesy and a little bit corny. Mm-hmm. On a night like this, with such a partisan crowd, when you've made the theme of the show Ireland against the world, 
it just fits perfectly. I, I just felt like everything they went for hit the perfect note. Um, and I, I can't fault it. I can't think of anything that I would say they should have done better in that match or shouldn't have done. To me, it was just a flawless match again in this feud. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's, I think, the, the thing that kind of shocked me watching it back on VOD. I mean, I'm going in knowing, you know, the likes of you, Jamesy, you're saying that about the match and knowing that, you know, Martin, that you were rating it as, again, your match of the year so far. I'm going in thinking, like what you said earlier, Jamesy, about the, the video, you know, the video package, you know, how you can't really top the previous videos, so you go in a different way. And I think they kind of did that with the match as well, because the the, the, the match last time was my match of the year for last year. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking, are we, are we going to go hit all the same beats again? And, you know, there were definitely callbacks, but they did something different. And for me, the, the hand stuff was the genius stroke in this match, yeah. just... It, it made it different. I mean, but we kind of started and it felt, you know, we got the, obviously the big devil in entrance and the big bad Walter entrance and the atmosphere is clearly there. And it's just, again, it, it all, it feels like a, a real important fight that we're about to see. But the thing yet yeah, that they kind of maybe dodged, you know, stepped to one side and made it a little bit different was that moment when, when Devlin um, punches the ring post and it just, it changes the layout of the match. And I think, the commentary does a really good job of putting that over to putting over that there goes Devlin's game plan. I think that was the call pretty much yeah, immediately. Yeah. And it's just perfect because it changes the match. You know, we were we were talking earlier about the old school Ring of Honor. I love to drop a, a reference in, especially with you here, Jamesy. But I, I kind of thought that was similar to CM Punk and Samoa Joe and their trilogy they had. And yes. in the yeah. third match when CM Punk's clearly trying to trying to take Joe the distance and then he gets cut open and all of a sudden his game plan has to change. He has to rush through his offense, like master stroke. And they did it again here. Devlin has to change his entire game plan and the match changes from that moment. And I just thought, as you said, James, it was just beautiful symmetry as well. The fact that the way Jordan eventually manages to turn it around is to, to target Walter's hand and just the poetry of that finishing moment, the poetry of when, Walter hates himself trying to chop Devlin, going back to that old reliable move that he always uses, and it kind of leads to his downfall, leads to Devlin being the babyface fighting through the pain in his own hands and getting his punch combo and getting the package power driver. Just incredible wrestling storytelling. And yeah, it's it's definitely up there to be one of my matches of the year. And we're only what in March. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely this and uh the Tanahashi match from Wrestle Kingdom for me is the two match of the year so far. I think it's definitely up there with that standard. So, uh, yeah, that is a, a big recommendation. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the match, David Starr came out to stare down Devlin. I mean, uh, James, do you think we're getting a uh, Star v. Devlin for the title at the next big OTT event? I hope so. Um, I, 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 I think that's... You can get the rest of the year out of that feud, I think. Um, like you mentioned WrestleMania 10 there earlier, Martin. I think it was yourself said. Um, it was that I, I actually was just, just idly looking at Twitter today. And today's actually the, today is the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 10. Yeah. And they recreated that entire finish. You've got uh, Devlin as Bret Hart, who's just beaten the monster Yokozuna, who's Walter. And then standing in the entranceway, looking on is is David Starr and even Starr's body language in that moment he's standing there with his hands he's like a 
he's like a child who's who's suffered a really bad trauma or something. He's just standing there with his hands clasped in front of him. And you can see the anguish on his face that, that, that this guy has done what he couldn't do. He tried so hard to stop him. Devlin overcame and I mean I am just so there's so many directions they can go now with this but like you can you can get the rest of the year out of this you know between Star and his promos different types of stipulation matches I would have no issue with OTT putting the belt on Star I think he he's yeah. just such an asset to any company at the moment if you want to get your belt off a WWE guy onto a guy who's truly independent who you can have proper you know, you you can have proper use of him and know that nobody can take him away. You've got David Starr standing right there. Use him, you know, use him while he's still available because he's not going to be available for, for, for an awful lot longer. He's just so good. And that's crazy, isn't it? Because he is literally, for me, one of the best in the world right now. And that's insane that we're saying that about David Starr. I, I might not have said, you know, wouldn't have said that 12 months ago. But yeah. now yeah. in this situation, as you say, like, what? You know, there's still money in going back to Walter and Devlin. If you did a third match, there's money in it. But the real money is still in Devlin and Star, And it's just purely, like you say, in that picturesque moment of David Star watching on and Walter almost seeming to shake Devlin's hand to spite Star mm. more than anything, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. says to me... sickening even more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you can do Walter, David Star in OTT. You can, there's money there. But I think, yeah, David Star is almost the, the man to focus on now. I think he'll be the... He'll be the top villain now, um, but that's that. That's that's how great this storytelling is. That it's you know we're not at the end here. I think we're maybe at the end of a chapter, but it's been such a well-told story that there's still different directions that we can go on. I just I can't wait to see them tell that story. It's interesting you mentioned there maybe about a third match between Walter and Devlin because um, I had it as maybe he was uh, tying everything up here, and obviously he's got the mm. big match against Trent Seven. Um, that's super strong style for progress. And I had him as sort of like he was tying things up and maybe concentrating more on NXT UK, Benno. I thought that too, and then British strong style turn up. So <laughs> yeah. who, it's OTT, who knows? Like, what should I think? Politics apparently don't apply to OTT. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. And uh, I mean, we had a, a pretty decent undercard. Obviously, nothing nothing was stopping this main event, you know, and, and I don't think anyone expected it to. And. Uh, we had um, an interesting cluster of a match for the uh, opening match. We had uh, Aussie Open against Angelico and Ray Horace, Club Tropicana, and the besties in the world. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a um, pretty decent match coming in at under 10 minutes. It was just uh, to get all those guys out there and do all the high-flying stuff. And, uh, I mean, the only thing that I was disappointed in that was uh, I didn't we didn't see that much of Ray Horace in this match, I didn't think, James. He seemed to do a couple of things, but that was about it, really. Yeah, yeah, like it, it was it was a perfect opener. It was just um quick, easy. Um they, they made like Tropicana were last minute substitutes for lads from the flats because of an injury to Paddy Morrow. Um and it, that had happened on the day and you're suddenly looking at the match kind of thinking god you, you've got three teams who can go and then you've got a comedy act in Tropicana but they, they they did great. They 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 made sure to give them the limelight. Um, they gave them a chance to shine. They gave them the big entrance, and nothing you can complain about in that match. You know, as I said, a, a, a subdued showing from Ray Horace, possibly, um, possibly an injury that we don't know about or something like that. But I have no complaints about it. It's just a good fun ten minute opener that got the crowds got the crowd nicely warmed up. You know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it was uh, set up to do, wasn't it, Benno? Yeah, definitely. Like my. I was watching it on VOD, and it was one of those matches where, you know, if anyone's watching the VOD, it's not much must watch by any means, but it's the perfect kind of match just to, to get the crowd going. I think it was very, 
I saw Angelico and Ray Horace come out as a team, and I kind of thought, oh, great, we're going to get the a, a, re- a real flippy match. I'm going to get lots of Ray Horace big spots. And I think maybe it was more comedy-centric than what is Ray Horace's kind of uh, forte. So I think in a different match with maybe a different combination of teams, you would have got more out of him. But it still worked for what it was, and yeah, just a, a great way to open the card. And uh, next up, we had a six-man tag match. Uh, More Than Hype, who have been on a bit of a losing streak, taking on The Rapture, the team of Charlie Sterling, Shaw Samuel, and Zach Gibson. And uh, excellent, as always, these three at winding up the crowd. Obviously, they went through the usual routine of uh, singing the British National Anthem. And uh, even better than that, midway through the match, Gibson getting on the mic as Charlie Sterling had a headlock on Darren Kearney, I think it was, saying, oh, this is going to be your next OTT hype video, just us doing headlocks here, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And uh, more than hype, uh, ending their uh, losing streak here by beating these three. And I thought this was a, a really good match here, James, especially with Gibson and against the Irish crowd is always uh, is always fantastic, especially being there live here in the booze uh, for Gibson is brilliant. Yeah, like it's... It, it, the, the heat that that man gets, I mean, he, he gets it in England, but in Ireland, it's just on a totally other level. Like he literally was was on the house mic and I couldn't hear a word he was saying. But the, the, the booing literally drowned him out. It was so loud. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect night's work for Gibson. He, he doesn't have to do anything in the ring. He just has to come and talk for 10 minutes, throw on a few headlocks. Work his match, job done, and and uh, he's just the most hated man in in the building. It's incredible, and um, yeah, more than hype had kind of been on a bit of a losing streak, as you said. Good win for them. Um, again, you know, it's not a match. I don't remember an awful lot of it, but again, a match that did its job, and uh, you know, um, I, I can see more than hype now making a run at the tag belts at this point. I think they're ready. I think the crowd is with them. But again, if the team of your show is, is to get the Irish talent over, um, then, you know, another job done here, I think, you know. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Charlie Sterling is someone who uh, always does great work in OTT by now, but um, we hardly see him over in the U- in, in the UK, do we? No, that I was kind of thinking that he looks odd as Gibson's tag partner because you kind of every time he come they come out together and every time you see the Rapture in OTT, it's like, oh yeah, Charlie Sterling is still a thing, um, and he's he's genuinely good. I like him in this role. Um, you know, they're good triple act, but especially I think especially him and Zach Gibson have got a really good kind of chemistry between like the two of them look like the thing I was thinking about Gibson in this match and him and Charlie Sterling is they both look like yeah they hate everything about this match like there was a such a clash of like their style is very WWE style heel work and the baby faces are just wanting to flip and do spots and it almost on a meta level it works as well um, mm-hmm. but yeah he's really good in that role he's got he's got a look he's got charisma uh, but you just don't see him anywhere really at the moment at least in the you know the, the fashionable indies but there's definitely Definitely a role he could play, especially in in companies like Red Pro at home. There's, there's, there's definitely. I think there's money in Charlie Sterling turning face eventually in OTT. I think more and more the people that I go to shows with have come to really, really enjoy him. Like his bumping is incredible. His promos are great. He looks great. He, if if you want to have an indie spot fest match, spot fest match. He can do all that stuff, no problem at all. And I, I just feel like, you know, the way there's a guy who's been a heel for a long time in a company mm-hmm. and eventually people people respect the work so much and enjoy him that I, I, I think the day will come that people will actually start to cheer him. And I think they could have a huge baby face in their hands if that's the case. 
Oh, yeah, not thought about that. Imagine him turning on Gibson. Yeah, they he'd definitely... Yeah, uh, or Gibson turning on him. Yeah. Gibson turning on him to kind of get sympathy on him or whatever, you know, but I could see that happening and, and I think he would be hugely popular. I think there will come the point where people will want to cheer him. They They admire him and enjoy his work so much. And um, I don't know if it was the house lights in there or what, but Shaw Samuel, I don't know if he's just been on holiday abroad or something, but it looked like he'd been bathing in some kind of, like, tanning oil. It was like Hogan in WCW levels at this point, and I was like, wow, I need some sunglasses to watch this match. (laughs) I mean, uh, fourth match anyway, so uh, David Starr, obviously, still reeling from his loss to Jordan Devlin last month. Uh, Take on Dan Barry, obviously. Dan Barry's someone who isn't that prolific uh, these days uh, obviously he's most well known for his team tremendous tag team in pwg a few years back but um, i mean easily one of the most over people in ott um, only appeared for them a handful of times but the crowd has just really taken him on as one of their own and was getting consistent chance all the way through i mean star picked up the win here and obviously he'll be moving forward uh, storyline wise but uh, james it was all about barry as far as the crowd were concerned in this match yeah, the, the Dan Barry thing is a very unusual phenomenon. I think he was announced for a Tivoli show last year and he definitely wasn't known to most people except for maybe a small group of people who would have been fans of his show on high spots and that kind of thing. And it just it, it just came from his name being easy to chant. <laughs> and I, it honestly did. I, 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 we were there on the night and it was just one of those things where the chance took off they kept going and then it became apparent that he's a really likable guy as well. He played into us. He, he, he kind of, he, he leaned hard into us um, and people just, and then, it, you know, it, it became apparent then after the show that he actually has family here in Ireland and straight away. I mean, that's all Irish people need to know is that you've got a bit of Irish <laughs> blood in you and, and we're quite happy to take you on as one of our own. And it's just built from there, you know, and he was, the, he was, the, I saw the voices of wrestling criticizing the fact that he was put in a match with David Starr, but this was the perfect match for Starr because you, you Star has actually lost most of his matches in OTT. Um, he definitely needed a win. He needed a win over somebody beloved by the crowd. He needed somebody who the crowd would be hugely offended if, if he kind of is a bit of an asshole to them. And Dan Barry's your guy for that, you know. And it's to OTT's credit, like I never would have thought of putting these two together. But the minute I saw it, I thought, that's that's genius. That's perfect. That's exactly what you need to kind of get more heat on David Starr and build him up as a villain. And and one of the highlights of the show for me, even though it was something that I was outwardly booing, was the entrance music that Starr used, which is... Um, the Foggy Jew, which is basically an Irish song that's about the, the um, Easter rising here in Ireland. Um, so you can imagine on Paddy's weekend, a hated <laughs> eel coming out to a, coming out to a song about about the uh, about the Easter rising. That's just just the little things. He he did the same thing with his entrance music for the Devlin match. These little things that Star does that just elevates him above everyone else. You know, um, the, the match itself was fine. It was I I personally thought it should have been more dominated by Star. I think there would if he had absolutely destroyed Dan Barry here and stretched him and beaten him up, it might have got a bit more heat on him. Probably dragged on a little bit longer than it should have, but um, still, you know, gets kind of gets a win under the belt for Star and keeps his momentum going as a hated heel again. Yeah, I think one thing I'd say for the structure of the match is, at least for me, you know, watching at home a couple of days later, I think because Barry got so much offense when it when it did actually come to the near falls, they felt a little bit believable. I think maybe yeah. it's the, maybe yeah, it's yeah. the magic of, of Dan Barry in in, in Dublin <laughs> uh, just pulling me in as well because he he is such a joy to watch. That seeing him in there and like I say, he's not 
he's not the best wrestler in the world, but it's just fun to watch him. Obviously, so happy. Or he seems like such a. He's got good comedic time, and he he seems like a really like a likable bloke. And mm. yeah, he, he can go. He can go as well. He can. You know, he, there's a little bits of, of technical yeah. in the match where yeah. where they. I think they work that really well because they kind of let the fans just chant while he was just grabbing holds on Star. And yeah, I definitely see your point, James. That they got maybe a little bit too much, but I did like at least at the end of the day, you know, and, and it speaks to why Dan Barry's in this match that David Starr, against the run of play, can just hit a Stan Hansen lariat, get his powerball on the knee and and win in pretty, you know, convincing fashion yeah. at least, you know, for that moment. And it does Dan Barry no harm, does it? Because I'm sure he'll be back. I know he's talked retirement yeah. in the past, but I'm sure he'll be back and he'll be just as over. And yeah, it was just a, a nice match to just to give David Starr to, to keep him ticking over as well. Yeah, he still needs to come back and have that match with Trent Seven that got cancelled. I mean, I think oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. True, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a match I skipped out, but it wasn't really much to write home about. It was uh, The third match was Angel Cruz and B. Cool team with Hurricane Helms to be uh, Justice, Sammy D and Team Prick, Peter and Rick. Um, match not been much to uh, write home about, but it opened with a pretty funny video as the Angel Cruisers uh, killed Joe Cabray for not giving them a title shot and then got kidnapped by uh, Minnie Mo, who was played by uh, someone who was always front row at the OTT shows. Do you know him, Jamesy? Ah, Rob is well known to all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a real good lad. Like, yeah, and he's 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 featured in an Angel Cruisers match in the stadium. Oh God, maybe two or three years ago at this stage. Uh, but yeah, a real popular guy, a real good guy, a real nice guy on Twitter as well. So like, again, it's just one of those things that when you're in the crowd and you you realize it's one of the guys who usually sits with you at the shows it's like oh my god and he hadn't told anyone he was doing it either you know so just <laughs> another little thing that, that 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 just adds to it and and like even the all the people in these videos are people we know like they're either people who set the ring up i think in the last video at the last show it's the girl who does the first aid so it's it's it, it, these are just little things that the regular fans will see and it just makes the whole thing more special for them as well you know yeah, I mean, um, and he seemed to have a plot in this video to blow up the national stadium. Uh, yeah, really fun video. Enjoyed it. I mean, the most memorable moment of the match saw Angel Cruz come out with a petrol lawnmower, which <laughs> 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 is something I never thought I'd see in a match. But uh, I mean, this is great for the live crowd when you've had a few beers. But um, and I had fun watching it. But um, it doesn't always transfer that well to VOD, does it, Benno? Not always. I mean, that's for me when I watch OTT shows sometimes, especially when they go a little bit long. Sometimes the comedy can can wear a bit thin. But to be honest, you know, a lot of the matches on this show, like this one, were all kind of sub 10 minutes. So it worked for me, really. Hurricane looked like he was having the time of his life out there. The Angel Cruisers were desperate to kill Justy. And like you say, there were lawnmowers in there, like we were watching a CZW death match. So <laughs> if you're going to do this kind of match, then yeah, this kind of hit all, all the right notes for me, even if I'm I'm not going to be uh, calling it a, a five-star classic. And um, and after the David Starr against Dan Barry match, we had um, Session Moss Martina against Miko Setamora. Um, Martina's uh, out to prove that she's more than just a one-trick pony going up against one of the best female wrestlers in the world. I mean, people's mileage might vary on Martina, but um, I thought this was a really good showing from her. She kept up with Miko for the most part, and the two of them had a pretty good match. But obviously, Miko picked up the win here. Um, and they hugged it out at the end. I mean, um, Jamesy, do you think Martina, um, if she's having more matches like this on the regular, she'll uh, kind of shed that image of just being a, a one-trick pony comedy act? It's kind of hard to know. I mean, the whole the whole build-up to this show or to this match was that she, she wanted to prove herself and, you know, wanted to be taken seriously. And, you know, in a way, it's like, well, you know, 
your gimmick was not being serious. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's of your own <laughs> making, you know what I mean? Um, it was a fine match. I think there's, she has definitely, she's been to Japan twice now in the last 12 months. She has definitely improved her in ring. She has uh, a number of spots that she nails really well. The, the, the double jump uh, lung blower, the, she's a really good satellite DDT. Um, but the, there is definitely a ceiling to her matches, I feel. I, I, I think there's, you know, she got a good 10, was it 12 minutes? with one of the best in the world. And it was a fine match. It was nothing more than that, nothing less yeah. fine. Um, and I think now they're probably going to push her back into this gender neutral championship again. Um, so it, it was, you know, it, it was nothing to write home about. It was, it was, you know, I, I hoped for a little bit more from her in terms of the match itself. Um, I, the, the crowd was v- like, the thing with her matches is the crowd goes wild for her entrance. The very quiet Bell to bell, you know. I mean, there was, there was it was very quiet in the stage. It was definitely that, and some of the other. I think this was nearly the quietest they were for most of the match. Like there were points in the match where she had submission holds on, and there was no sense of drama. There was nobody biting on them. You know, I don't think people took her that seriously. And if the point of the match was to get people to take her seriously, <laughs> then I don't know if it achieved its objective. You know, um, mm. but. You know, it, it was fine. It was a fine match, is the best I can say about it, really. Really tried as well, didn't they, with it, with the, the serious Martina video? I was kind of taken aback by it because I've not really been exposed much to Martina since she's been, you know, off training. And I kind of, my first impression was she's still very uncoordinated in the ring. And I don't yeah. think I'd want to see it all the time. But I do appreciate the effort. I appreciate that mm. she's trying. Her execution does seem a little bit better. She is a very likable baby face, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, as much as she can try and as much as, you know, the act can kind of get a little bit stale, I don't really know if it's really one of what I want to see from Seth and Moff Martina. Um, I don't think that's what really what she brings to cards. Again, commendable what she's trying to do and mm. nothing to be ashamed of here. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, to be honest, my... my favorite bit of the match was the post-match with the with the rave and, the, and getting Miko drunk <laughs> I have a few beers to do, yeah yeah and, and that's Martina isn't it yeah she yeah. and I mean uh, we saw a huge upset in the next match as a British strong cell beat the kings of the north in not only a lose leaves town match but also to pick up the OTT tag team championships uh, which the kings have held for quite a while now and I mean most of this match was all about British Strong Style, but early on we had Bonesaw doing a crazy dive from the rafters through one of the entranceways, and then later on in the match, uh, Damien Corvin kicking out of uh, all three of British Strong Style's finishers, which was uh, which was quite the thing. Um, a shock result and a decent match, though. I thought the Kings could have gotten more offence in here, not on the level of... Uh, it wasn't quite on the level of CCKV, the elite in Red Pro, but uh, interesting that uh, it was mainly all about British Strong Style. And... Uh, Dunn and the rest seem to be uh, showing up their bookings outside of NXT UK, but now they're uh, holding the OTT belts here, Benno. Yeah, I mean, this was, again, like we said earlier with Walter, I was going in thinking Walter's never coming back, and then they go and put the straps on British Strong Style. Uh, It just makes you think anything's possible in OTT. It's just, I mean... (sighs) I think it it did. I didn't love the match. I, I, to be honest, I don't need to see another British Strong Style match in in my lifetime. Uh, it felt almost fresh again seeing them come out together. You know, all three of them coming out to Lovers Blindness. That's the proper stuff. Never mind the terrible caps from WWE shows video they had on the uh, on the big screen. Uh, but that felt it felt a little bit fresh. But as soon as the match started, I was like, okay, it's a British Strong Style six man. And I think really 
what made it for me was again that finish and it it really felt like it got that big reaction because i think everyone in the building was thinking the same thing as we all were going in the only reason this dip exists which didn't make a huge amount of sense getting tagged onto this random match was that it was going to be british strong styles last time there so yeah got a, a huge surprise pop and i guess uh, it achieved that because it's uh, it's definitely hard to to surprise uh, hardcore fans uh, especially you know uh, in a scenario like this uh but yeah it just kind of says that i suppose you can't uh, take it for granted that uh you know that the that ott or are bound by by politics because they just seem to be able to do whatever the hell they want to <laughs> at any given time yeah I, I as you said Benno, I, there was not one person in that building that expected british strong style to win we, we we all assumed it was number one a chance for them to write british strong style out of the company off to nxt and that's the last we'd see of them and we were all actually glad of the match because it was a chance to say goodbye to Pete Dunne or so we thought, you know, like Pete Dunne has been a huge part of OTT. I mean, they gave him the ball before any of the major UK companies, apart from like maybe Attack and, and Fight Club Pro, before Revpro ever booked him, before Progress ever booked him, OTT, like it's there he cut his teeth as a champion, you know. So he's he's very special to us. And really that was all that was on our minds for this match was was the goodbye afterwards and the chance to say thank you to him. And it was going to be a nice moment for the, you know, for, for, for the video reel afterwards. So when they won, the place went insane and i mean i went nuts you know (laughs) and i mean i'm one of the guys who hates to see wwe coming into companies you know the idea of them getting their fingers into ott and it's you have to think more and more that there's some kind of wwe involvement here because you're pretty strong style winning the titles you've got two wwe guys in the main event you've got gibson coming over you've got travis banks coming over to the belfast show next weekend you know, it's, 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 and it's, you know, now that the dust has settled, settled, it starts to worry me, you know, because when WWE get involved in companies, the first thing that happens is quality suffers. We saw it with Evolve, we saw it with Progress, and now we've got British Strong Style as the tag team champions. Those six man tags will start to wear thin very quickly. You know, I did enjoy that match for what it was. They didn't do too much of the comedy shtick, but if we're here six months down the line, still watching those matches, is that justification enough for the pop on the night? You know, I don't know. And it's, it just, for as good as that moment was, and that's what WWE do. They give you these moments, mm-hmm. but what do you give them in exchange? You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's just, we'll talk about it again with WXW later. It's just all very ominous. And the cynical part of me would always prefer that not to be here, you know? Yeah, that's a very good point, because it's like, like you noted earlier, Benno, I mean, nobody wants to go back to a 2017, early 2018, it was non-stop, <laughs> British Strong Style <laughs> six months, I think we had a spill of them then, didn't we, so, uh, yeah, 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 it's like you say, it's, it's good for, it's good for, uh, for this, but yeah, if it's, you know, further down the line and we're constantly having these matches, yeah, you don't really want to see that, Um let me move into the last couple of matches uh, before the main event. Uh, we had Raven Cree taking on Debbie Kaitel for the OTT Women's title. And, uh, I mean, these two have got tons of potential only uh, a couple of years in the business. Um, they had a pretty decent story leading into this, and the two of them looked to continue this feud into the summer. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Kaitel and uh, uh, Lackey Valkyrie. I think they had some funny videos leading up to this match. Uh, match very, very short, and I'm uh, sure they've got better stuff to come out of him. And Cree picked up the win. I, I feel like uh, these two will uh, be feuding all summer, Jamesy. 
Yeah, and they have been career opponents, I think, even in smaller promotions in Ireland, uh, down in Cork. Um, what was it called? Celtic Championship Wrestling. They would have had a long-running feud. So they have a good bit of chemistry. Um, they had even feuded in Ireland with the roles reversed earlier in Contenders, maybe about a year ago, where Raven was the heel and Debbie was the face. I think... It suits them both better now that it's been flipped over. I think Raven is a good face. I think uh, Debbie's fantastic in her role. I think she's excellent. Um, I think that pairing of her and Valkyrie is really good. I do have issues with how Raven Creed has been booked as champion. I think when she was crowned in the last Defiant, it was actually the last Tivoli show um, at Defiant, it was one of the biggest pops in company history. And we all left there thinking they've they've stumbled upon something special here that they've now finally got a women's champion they can get behind but she's been given some good matches but she always always gets screwed on time she always gets short matches the last show in the basketball arena her and you got three minutes at most this match this match got was it five six less six minutes you know for your women's championship match um it's it's like it's like they, they they're happy to have her as champion, but they're not happy to go all in on her kind of, and it's, it leaves her kind of in a halfway house where people are saying her matches aren't great, but she's not been given the chance to have great matches, you know? So I think if you're going to get behind someone, get behind them and give them time, you know, you, you can't expect her to get over having these three, four, five minute matches, you know? Yeah, I'd like to see them bring uh, someone like Miko Satomura back in and maybe have a longer match with her, you know, as they continue. Yeah, so, yeah. It hasn't always got to be a Kaitel, has it? You know, they can have a, bring in a, a few more of the bigger names and have, and have them matched up. So, yeah, it's like, say, a bit more time. I don't know where, obviously, these two faced off against in uh, Breed the day after. And um, so I don't, I don't know if they had a, a longer match there. But, yeah, like you say, uh, a bit more time would, would be nice for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd have given, I thought they were going to give the Mako match to Raven on the night. Now, unless there was issues with Mako couldn't lose or something like that, I'm not sure. But again, if you've got Mako Sadamora, you've got a young Irish champion in front of a lot of new eyes, why not give her the Mako match? You know, Um, that's probably what I would have done. But obviously the powers that BC different, you know. Yeah. And um, I mean, the last match for the main event was uh, originally supposed to be Scotty Davis against Will Ospreay, but uh, due to New Japan commitments, uh, Will had to pull out, and he was replaced by uh, the legendary Jushin Thunder Liger. And uh, obviously, Scotty's the next big thing in uh, European wrestling, and it's great that uh, Liger made his first stop on his retirement tour in Ireland. Uh, I mean, James, is this the first time Liger's appeared over there? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the first time. He's the first time I've seen him live. First time he's been in Ireland, as far as it's the best of my knowledge. I, if if Liger had been on a show in the last fifteen years, I imagine I would have been at it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It was it, it was great, and I mean it was a real pleasure to see him. At, and they announced the match, and then maybe a few weeks later, it emerged that it's his retirement year as well, which which made it all the more special, you know. So it was kind of we lost Will Osprey, but we got Liger. Like that's that's in his retirement year. I think that's a pretty decent trade off, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the match is okay. I mean, Scott is only eighteen, isn't he? And Liger's uh, still yeah. pretty decent, mainly for the crowd to see, uh, you know, their Irish star facing off against this Japanese legend. Scotty picked up the win, which is a uh, you know has been building up quite the streak of wins lately. Here. Yeah. For me, it never really got going as a match. It was kind of, you you know, Scotty got the win, but it almost felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into watching the VOD, but the near falls just didn't seem to work. And I wonder whether that was because people just assumed Liger was going to go over. 
Um, I don't know. It's kind of, I think the other thing as well is it, it's Justin Liger at this point in his career. You can't expect, yeah. you know, for, <laughs> you're not going to get a classic anymore. You're still going to get solid matches and solid work. I mean, it's, it reminds me of, like, I mean, you know, James, you saying rushing out to come and see, get to see Liger in Dublin. I think first time I saw Liger live was when he uh, wrestled AJ Styles for Rev Pro. Was it Global Wars? Well, four or five years ago. And I remember people talking about that one, like, oh, it's going to be match of the night. It's going to be incredible. And yeah. I think people did really love it, but I just, I thought it was just fine. It was a, it was the three and a half star Liger match that I, I can't, or that I kind of expect, you know, at this point in his career. So I don't know what people were kind of expecting from it. I wasn't expecting the world, uh, but it did, you know, it, it served its purpose. It was a solid match. It gave Scotty a solid win. I'd completely forgot about all the Osprey stuff. I just having a Liger match is, is big enough. You can go back to the Osprey match at, at another point. Uh, yeah, all in all, it worked. If it, you know, it wasn't absolutely spectacular, but you know, maybe it didn't need to be. No, I mean, when you get someone like Liger or Mooter or someone like that on your show, you go in there to pay tribute for this great career, aren't you? You know, and uh, sort of like you know, get to see them live. That's the whole thing, isn't it? It's not you're not. I, I definitely wasn't going there expecting like you know a, a classic amazing match. You're just going there to see these legends perform uh, for maybe the last time. So yeah, I think it was good that uh, you know he managed to make it over to Ireland before he retires. And uh, but all in all, I mean from a live perspective, this was a great show. Uh, crowd were great. Uh, loved the venue and the setup. Can't recommend heading over to Ireland COTT for yourself. Uh, really something special, I thought, especially when you had the. Uh, the main event that we had here. And uh, I just want to shout out to the uh, OTT video wizard, Sean Ryan and friends, for uh, taking me to uh, Lafayette's nightclub after I had a great time <laughs> there and uh, certainly killed a lot of time before the first flight back to Manchester. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, OTT have a couple of contenders shows lined up, but no announcements for their next major show in Dublin. I mean, James, it seems to be an issue at the minute in Dublin for venues that the promotion can run here. Yeah, this is the dark cloud hanging over everything. Like from every point of view, they're a promotion that's firing on all cylinders, you know, creatively, attendance wise, having great matches that are getting plaudits from all over the world, promoting their own talent, building them up. They're doing everything that you could possibly expect a company to do, but they've got no regular mid to small sized venue. Um, They've lost the Tivoli and there's just nothing available in the city it's as simple as that nothing that will either take wrestling or that's suitable for wrestling um and it's it's a problem like this is this is the first time i can remember in the company's history where there hasn't been a show with tickets available you know there's a contender show fine which which is one of the smaller shows but a main roster show we'll say where we haven't had tickets available or, or a date to pencil in on the calendar you know and it's 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 a bit worrying and it's a little bit ominous you know like how long can you keep telling these stories when you've only got big stadium shows like you you need those smaller shows to fill in the gaps you need like more than hype got to the point that they did because of tivoli shows you know uh jordan jordan devlin is who he is because of two or three years in the tivoli month in month out earning the fans respect getting to the level where he can headline those shows you know so when you don't when you're when you're trying to tell these stories and you're you've got this you know, this real creative spark going at the moment, you need somewhere to tell these stories. And it is worrying. And I don't know what the answer is. You know, um, they've tried to make Dublin, uh, Belfast a little bit of a stronger venue than it was before. But um, those shows in Belfast feel like almost a different world. It's a bit like in 1997 in WWF when you had shows in America and shows in Canada. 
and everybody who's a heel in Canada is a face in America and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and and I, I honestly, like, I feel so bad for them to have, you know, everything is on the up. And like, if they still had the Tivoli, they would just be flying now. You know, like when we, when we had the Tivoli, we would have dates for the whole year marked out where we knew our shows were every month for the whole year. And it's a very reassuring thing to have that as a wrestling fan and, and to not have anything on the horizon. It's it's worrying, you know, and and, and I don't know what way there is around us, you know. Yeah, it seems like such things. Obviously, obviously, Dublin's a, a big European city, and it's, it's, it seems daft that there's not sort of like crazy. more smaller yeah. venues that they can run. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, it's 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 a lot of it is venues being knocked down. Like the Tivoli has been knocked to build apartments, um, and I, I I don't know what the reason is. Some venues just don't want wrestling, I suppose. Um, but they were so lucky to have the Tivoli for as long as they did. It ticked all the boxes. Bang in the city centre cheap enough booze on available um nice tight venue and it's like i know for a fact it's not for the want of looking like if there was a venue there they would be in it now you know that they're tearing their hair you you can hear it in, in the tone of their messages when they're asked about it they're tearing their hair out as much as anyone is about it you know yeah, well, it makes sense why Joe Cabrera's uh, bald now, I guess. Searching uh, <laughs> <laughs> around Dublin for all these venues. Yeah, so it's definitely something I hope they can sort out soon. Because, I mean, um, yeah, like you say, they can't be running these national stadium shows. And I'm sure that um, venue's booked up quite a lot of the year anyway. Yeah, so they yeah, can't yeah. be running that all the time. But, uh, yeah, I hope they manage to get something sorted out soon. But, um I mean, moving away from Ireland now, we're over to Germany, and uh, Benno, you, Jamesy, and a load of Irish and British wrestling fans headed over to Oberhausen for the one of the biggest events of the European calendar, WXW 16 Carat Gold, and uh, this tournament's been running since 2006. Past winners include Alistair Black, who's won it twice, Chris Hero's won it twice, and even uh, that long-forgotten wrestler, El Generico, and... Uh, this year's tournament held over the 8th till the 10th of March and also includes a whole host of other wrestling events over the weekend. And uh, Benno, 16 Carat 2019, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, it was another incredible tournament, another incredible weekend. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, one of those weekends I'm still recovering from now. Um, Jamesy was there last year, weren't you, Jamesy? The, the yeah, 2018 yeah. version. Was that your first time over? That was my first, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same for me as well, and I think yeah, once once you do one of these things, you just you're just looking at the calendar, thinking, oh, can I make tag league? Can I make it <laughs> next year? And I I kind of feel the same coming out of it here. It does feel like there's some changes to the company. Uh, I don't know if James, you can talk to that as well. Things feel a little bit different, but all in all, they're still firing on all cylinders. You know, again, we said earlier about a potential WWE influence in OTT, and that we don't hugely want to see that. There's clearly a WWE relationship with WXW, but as it stands, you know, they're still telling great stories. They're still giving incredible weekenders like this. And it's it's not filled with, you know, knockoff evolved talent or, you know, guys that WWE sign and then farm out. Uh, it was still filled with a, you know, a sacked roster of guys. The facts that, you know, Phoenix, Ray Horace, Pentagon still coming out for this. Daisuke Sekimoto. It's still an incredible list of names and a, a list of characters that would stand up against any previous year's carrot. So they're still firing on that cylinder as well. But yeah, it was just a, an absolutely incredible tournament and just yeah, one of one of my favorite uh, weekenders away at wrestling. I don't know if you'd uh, agree with that, Jamesy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's it's. 
I had had a kind of a funny relationship with WXW over the last 12 months. Mm. Coming home from Carrot last year, I was convinced that they were the best promotion in the world. You know, the, 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 the booking, the way they were using their own talent, the setup, the production values, everything. I couldn't have been higher on a company and I couldn't have been more glowing in my praise. And then little things happened as the year went on that kind of made me doubt that. Like the, the, the whole thing with losing John Klinger, when it felt like they had a whole storyline mapped out for the rest of the year that, that he was at the very center of, that kind of messed up the whole rise faction on them. Um, then we got word that WWE were involved. And like I said earlier, the minute I hear that, <laughs> it sets alarm bells ringing in my head and and it you know even though like when WWE get involved with a company who do you get angry with you know um there's a part of you that's illogically angry with the company themselves even though like if WWE start making overtures towards you do you have any choice like you can say yes and welcome them in or you can say no and mm-hmm. if you say yes then you're a co-opted company with all the disadvantages to go with that if you say no and they're going to start making life tough for you. You know what I mean? So it's it's like either way, they'll get you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a bit like that, you know, and that kind of, I kind of soured on them because of that. I felt that, and then CMJ left, who was who I always felt was the creative force behind the whole company, you know, and I felt the booking suffered an awful lot when he left. I felt they kind of, they had a huge star in Bobby Guns coming out of Carrot and they kind of dropped the ball with him for a lot of the year afterwards. The booking wasn't great around him. Um, I felt like the match quality suffered a little bit. Um, so I, I kind of, I really needed this Carrot weekend to kind of reaffirm my faith in the company. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I came over in two minds, but coming out of it, I, I do feel an awful lot more reassured. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't see any evidence that quality is suffering yet. You know, uh, you couldn't fault any of the booking of the weekend that was booked to perfection. They fooled us all so many times over the weekend. Like every night we'd we think we had it sussed what they were going to do and they'd fool us again. Um, they, they used the WWE talent that they got for the weekend very well. And it always felt like they were trying to use it to elevate their own talent. So I'm kind of back on the WXW bandwagon a little bit, mm. but there is, again, there's that cloud hanging over it. And like, you know, I... I we might get to it later on, but there was there was that video that aired on night three that was basically it was a WWE propaganda video, really, wasn't it? I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Only WWE telling us how great they are for coming in to help this company, and yeah. that that was a tough one to take. I, I was kind of on a high coming into that show, and that really dropped my spirits. And thankfully, the show was so good that it lifted me back up again. But like that was a grim scene when that video ended, and there was. Mm-hmm a small smattering of polite applause from a few people, <laughs> but silence, you know, and that's, that's just, that's, that's what independent wrestling is now, you know, that they are there, they're looming and they want to be involved everywhere. And there's very little the companies can do about it, you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it, it is what it is, I guess, you know? Yeah. That video getting played, it really, like I was in such a good mood that it just, <laughs> it really sucked it out of me a little bit. It's, yeah, it's just the uh, Robbie Brookside talking in very good German and uh, yeah, Kanye yeah. and Seaman putting over the fact that do we only work with companies who do business the right way, which, you know, doesn't include certain British companies, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, all just a bit. It was a bit of a downer. I mean, I think WXW right now are kind of, 
having the cake and they're eating it. You know, the fact that yes, yeah. over the weekend they got to have, you know, huge pops from, you know, Axel Dieter Jr. being there, getting to mix it up with Ring Camp again, getting to mix it up with Damak again. Alexander Wolf got a pop that I wasn't expecting, uh, coming out with his uh, full on with his sanity theme, uh, in full gear, but he did have a, a Ring Camp t shirt on underneath. Uh, he was hugely over over the weekend so the german fans were definitely welcoming of that but yeah i definitely mm. kind of shared that moment that, that you had james of just uh, it felt like just a bit awkward when it was put out there for all to see yes. the wwe video uh, this very corporate video that kind of laid the way things are and maybe you can say credit to xw for getting out ahead in some ways and you know, i do actually, people know. yeah for being honest you know Mm, I'm being forthright about it. Yeah, but... As opposed to Progress, who, who kind of just dodged the issue constantly and never brought yeah. it up. No. There is that, yeah, yeah. And it took, it took a while for them to be, you know, forthright about their mm. jobs yeah. the next day. And yeah. I'm, I'm not saying WXW are completely open about everything about that WWE relationship, but I don't know what it is. Something about WXW being a, a very, what feels like from the outside, a strong, standalone, well run business that if feels like they're, they're going into this with a business head and again like i say having the cake and eating it i mean a big part of the weekend for me was you know we're going to talk about the the big title match in a minute but just you know talking about the carrot tournament as a whole like i think it, in some ways that loom inspector at wwe kind of played really well with my expectations of what was going on over the weekends like i was once walter beat david star again uh, in the first night's main event, uh, a match I was hugely looking forward to, a match that I absolutely expected was the moment for David Starr to win. <laughs> Once that didn't happen, I was kind of thinking, oh, great, here we go. Uh, can, can, can Walter even lose in this thing? He's got that big takeover match coming up. Is he going to mm. be able to go the whole way? And in some ways, it kind of made Walter more of a heel, at least to me. And I think it, it, in some ways, it kind of, left it you know really open whether he was once he did get all the way to the final whether you know lucky kid who was in the final with him whether there was any any world where someone like a lucky kid could go over walter and he did so fair enough uh i don't know i, I think on, i think i spoke to you a little bit on the first night jamesy and you were kind of thinking like me that maybe there were politics at play with walter and david star is, is that a fair assessment and did kind yeah, of the fact that walter it. eventually crashed out even if it was the final soothe those worries for you yeah, it did. I, 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 and I think they were very clever about it. And I think they, they, they knew that's what we'd be thinking in a way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they leaned into the WWE thing. I mean, they, they very purposely portrayed Walter as a heel this weekend when he had pretty much been a little bit heelish in the run up to the tournament, but not an out and out heel whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then night one, he, um, you know, there was, I'm sure we'll talk about the match soon, but he did heelish things in the star match, shall we say. And then on night two, to open the show, Star comes out, cuts a promo, and he very specifically refers to Walter as a sellout. And that <laughs> popped the crowd. It was like, and it was like they want you to resent Walter for the fact that he's a WWE guy now. Almost, you know what I mean? They want you to fear that he can't lose. You know, they, they respect the fact that we know what's going on around here. They're not going to insult their intelligence. And it, it, it did, like myself and the lads that I was knocking about with for the weekend. We at the at the end of the weekend, we had a headache from permutations and can that guy pin that guy is he allowed to lose are all that you is it going to be an all wwe uk final is axel dieter going to win it you know you know but they 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 used the fact that we're knowledgeable almost against us you know what i mean so we started to doubt and it made the ultimate moment of lucky winning all the better i think you know definitely 
Well, that's it. The other thing as well is that, you know, as much as, you know, there's that story going on that's making even us have a visceral reaction towards Walter. He went through the tournament, and for me, I pretty much the best matches of the tournament right yeah. through. I mean, yeah. I think I've talked to a few people about the show since, and I don't know where you land, but as far as match of the tournament goes, pretty much everyone that people say has got Walter in it. I think Walter David Starr is a contender. Um, I didn't love the finish. Um, kind of, they did a, a thing where Walter allegedly tapped out, as we said, and you know, he was under the ropes, so he came back and he, and he tapped out David Starr. I thought it was a little bit hokey, but it did work. But I thought that was a great match itself. I thought him and Phoenix was an incredible match. I thought him and Lucky Kid was an incredible match. For me, Walter kind of had the, the pick of the tournament as far as matches go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, if you're talking about an MVP of somebody who had the best matches, like it would have to be Walter. Um, mm-hmm. Like he, And this is the other thing that I kind of resented about him becoming an NXT employee is we don't get as many great Walter matches mm. anymore. You know, like I keep a spreadsheet of matches, a very nerdy thing to do. But like I was looking back at last year's spreadsheet and by March, he had already had, he'd already had the Thatcher match in progress. He'd <laughs> had a lot of classics already, you know, and you compare coming into Carrot, he hadn't really had much. And then all of a sudden it was like, we got a nice reminder that, yeah, actually, this guy is probably the best wrestler in the world. You know, he had the star match was phenomenal. The Phoenix match, I thought, was probably uh, of the 16 carat tournament matches. I would say the Phoenix match was my favorite. I thought that was amazing. I thought the final was really good. And even the, the Avalanche match, which I didn't think much of live when I watched that back on VOD, it gained an awful lot. There were little things they did that I missed in the building. Like they, they purposely worked on the arm that Avalanche had injured about a year before the commentary put over the fact that he got suplexed onto that injured arm and then the finish was actually a Kimura. So like he had four really, really good matches in the space of, and then he turns up to Dublin and has that match again the following Saturday. You know, it's it's like, I'm still the best in the world, guys. I might work for WWE and be having TV matches that aren't worth much every week. But when I, when I have the opportunity and when I'm given the stage, I, I'm still the best in the world, you know, which is It's nice to see that. I'm glad that's still a possibility for us at least, you know. Yeah, and he's a perfect final boss as well, isn't he? To have out oh. there and you know, the the one that Lucky Kid needs to beat at the end. I mean, Lucky Kid wasn't one that I think a lot of people had as a potential winner. He definitely wasn't wasn't on my coupon. Uh, but as he kind of like say went through the tournament, beating guy after guy, whether it you know be other other ring camp guys or it be you know other established uh, WXW t- talent like Ilya Dragunov, it, it did fit, the, the momentum felt felt like it really built for for, uh, for lucky kid throughout the tournament and by the time he eventually won i think one thing i i was kind of expecting you know we'd had a lot of happy moments throughout the weekend a couple of we'll mention mm. in a minute but i was expecting to have that big sad moment i was expecting us not to be able to uh, eat our rice pudding as a uh, cmj has put in the past that you don't always get that every night and wxw will give you sad endings i would have accepted it i would have thought you know lucky kid he's a good yeah. nail you man yeah. you know you can come back you know, there's still plenty of time to do something with Lucky Kid. Do you, do you think it was the right time to do this with him, James? I mean, it was great in the moment. It was great to to be in the building as it exploded and as the, the crowd really, really rallied behind him. Um, but yeah, do you think it was, the, it was the right decision to go with Lucky Kid? Oh, yeah. I, I, in hindsight, it's a bit like Absolute Andy last year. If you told mm. me at the start of the tournament Absolute Yo, Andy was going to win, I would have <laughs> laughed in your face. But by the end, by the time they'd had the chance to tell their story, 
I was actually fine with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And the very clever thing they did with this was they put him against Thatcher in the first round and they had the video package for Thatcher on the big screen. Oh, which, But when you watch that, you're thinking, OK, this guy is, if he's not going to win the tournament, he's at least going far. You don't go to the trouble of making a video package for a guy unless he's going all the way. You, you want to show it again on night two and night three. And what happens? They completely fooled us all and lucky kid beats him, you know, mm-hmm. and... and if you want to make a guy in one weekend, he beats all three members of Ring Camp and he beats the biggest star in the company, Ilya Dragunov. I mean, you can't, there's no half-assed measures there. Like they've gone <laughs> completely all in on the guy and they've put him over all their big stars. And like he was, I thought he was tremendous in the tournament as well. Like if you notice, his, a lot of his matches have, you know, the shtick he does, which is it's almost comedic. You know, he's doing the the thing where he sits down in the middle of the ring and he's kind of, you know, he's 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 a lovable character almost. He was super serious for this whole weekend. I don't think he did that spot once. He was focused. He was he came across like a complete star. You know, he did his matches delivered. He, they gave him the ball and the guy ran with it, you know. And he's just so he's just so likable too, isn't he? You mentioned, you know, the the comedic stuff, which I think that's that's dead on. I mean, that I'd you know, dipped in and out of WXW, but last year's carrot was kind of my first proper experience of Lucky Kid. And there was still, you know, a lot of those elements. And you still see that, you know, on on other shows. But yeah, they kind of did leave that behind. I think that's the way to go. He's likable without doing it, without being too yeah. goofy, isn't he? Um, well, he's definitely over now. So now, now's the time to push on, kind of, you know. That's it, and do more with him. Um, but yeah, I thought both of those, like I say, perfect final because I do think yeah, Lucky Kids and and Walter were absolutely my absolutely my two you know, top men for the tournament. Really, the only the only match that, that didn't have one of the two of them that came close to me was uh, Ray Phoenix and Ray Horace, which I just enjoyed because it was all the flips. Mm. Um, yeah. Not to say there wasn't a lot of other great matches in the tournament, but I mean, aside from the tournament itself, I suppose we should mention the the big the other big story coming out of the weekends, and again, the other reason why I thought we were getting. A, a sad ending in the tournament itself uh, Bobby Guns and Absolute Andy uh, I think we might have different views on this I don't know where you stand but they, they kind of did a this was for the WXW title and the they built it up in the you know in the video leading to it that you know Bobby Guns was the man who got the you know the 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 never ending uh, chance um, at tag league weekend uh, in in the match with Ilya uh, and they kind of played it up to the point where they were almost I think begging the fans to do mm-hmm. it again yeah and we got it again in the match. Uh, for me personally, I, I enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, maybe it's the fact that I was in the thick of it with the British and the Irish who were going crazy for it. And I know not the entire building was, but I do think that, you know, just being there, it, it did feel like although they were doing the chanting, people were into, you know, when the big near falls came later on, which was, I think, a criticism of the of the Ilya Bobby Guns match. I think when the big near falls came, I think you did get, more of an an organic reaction um it certainly made for a great moment live at least for me uh, i don't know where, where you stood on that one james it's been a bit of a, a controversial one uh, in the days since yeah i have to admit that during the match i hated the chanting <laughs> I, I was it, it really like you know um how do i describe this it's I felt like there were two guys. Now, now, as you said, like you have to make it clear that WXW leaned into the chanting. They, they oh, yeah. deliberately referred to it in, in, in the video before the match. Um, so it seems like they're fine with it. Uh, and if they're fine with it, then who am I to argue? But I just felt like there was a wrestling match going on <laughs> and there was a chanting match going on outside the ring. 
and the wrestlers were having their match and nobody cared what they were doing. Like they, there were long stretches of that match where I felt like, and I did feel like they, they, they were trying to break it up. Like there were points where they do that spot where you, where you stand in the turnbuckle and, and do the 10 punches and, and the yeah. crowd will chant along with it. And I felt like that was them trying to break it up. Um, and it didn't work, you know? Mm. Um, and I just kind of found it annoying. I felt like it was, it was the first time it happened was dragging off and guns. And that was the two biggest baby faces in the company. So a dueling chance there is completely appropriate. You know, it, it, both of them would have support. Fine. Why are there dueling chants for the guy who's about to be crowned the biggest baby face in the company and the most hated heel, the guy who's cheated and cheated and cheated to keep that title for most of the year. Why are people chanting for him? Is it because they like absolute Andy or is it because they think chanting his name will be fun yeah. and you know i have a bit of a problem with that but i do see the point that that, that they le- and there came a point in the match where guns just decided to go with it where he stamped oh, his foot in unison with stomp, it. He, yeah yeah he leaned into it so i mean you know i can't stand here and argue on their behalf and say you know i'm offended on their behalf when the wrestlers themselves encouraged it yeah. um but the, the question i would have is is bobby guns over because he's a good wrestler and a good character or because he has a fun chant that's kind of my other point with it. Like, uh, I think, again, I'm, I'm more positive on the chanting than you. And I, yeah, I think for me, you know, <laughs> I think a controversial statement, but I think most people never remember anything that happens in the first 15 minutes of the match anyway. Yeah. So when, yeah. you know, when the near falls are happening in, the, in those early moments and they're getting drowned out, I'm not so bothered. But the other thing, you know, from that point of view is it is Bobby Guns, and I don't think he's, <laughs> he's not the finished article for me. Absolute Andy has his moments and can do, you know, big, heel main eventer kind of matches but i don't think we were hugely missing anything either the fact that we didn't you know get a get an organic match i think this is for me in a lot of ways a bit more special And i think to the point you're saying about you know the fans you know them trying to stop the fans with the the tank out in the corner for me i just don't think that's the method i think if you're bobby guns and after absolute andy you take this gift that's on a plate and you and you go with it Um, i think i think at the end of the day i think that the most big thing people are going to for me, at least, going to remember is that big explosion at the end for Bobby Guns. But you do raise a good question there that, yeah, he's got the belt now. There aren't going to be British and Irish fans in every car yeah. going forward. Can he handle it at that top level? And I do think he's a... I mean, obviously, they've got that, that story going with his brother, you know, that, that he might he might turn on him maybe at some point yeah. in the future. You've got that direction to go as well. But I think there's definitely the jury's out on, you know, you know away from all this chanting and the gimmickry. What can we do with Bobby Guns? Yeah, because, I mean, you watch him on the, like, I, I watch some of the Road 2 shows and he's, like, the German ch- fans do the chant to some extent, mm. um, but but they they just don't like it as much as the Brits and Irish do, you know, <laughs> and they'll do it, like, and there were times I almost felt like they were nearly begging for the chant, like, they, mm. they, they almost have his brother out there as a cheerleader to start the chants, mm-hmm. and it's a bit like, okay, like, twice a year you're going to have a big English and Irish fan base there who lead the chanting. But for the other 363 days of the year, you're the champion in Germany. And as you, you know, I just think he still has a lot. He needs to earn his spot as champion now. And he needs to get over because of his wrestling skill and because of his character work. And he can't, that chanting won't go on forever. And I mean, people won't always chant for him. And if that's gone, what's left, you know, that's a big question. Uh, yeah. I suppose before we wrap up, then I mean, any any other big tournament highlights or big weekend highlights? I'm guessing you want to uh, wax lyrical about your boy Tim Thatcher. He had quite the weekend. 
Yeah, I, 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 the two best matches of the weekend, in my opinion, um, and it's not a popular opinion really, but were the two matches with Ishikawa. The, 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 I wasn't at Inner Circle, which I would have loved to see live in, in that small, intimate environment. But incredible. I watched it back on, oh, I watched that back on VOD. And that's just, it's very specific type of wrestling that, that, that mm-hmm. I enjoy more than any. So to my specific taste as a fan, that's, that's yeah. just was, heaven for was, me, you know. I was there thinking, yeah, if you were there, you'd have been loving it, mate. It was just, uh, yeah, it's like 140 yeah. people. It's in WXW's training academy for people who aren't aware. It's the night before the big tournaments. And even if you're not a fan of, you know, Tim Thatcher's style, that's the place where you'd go to watch a style like that because you're so close anyway yeah. and you can see yeah. all the intricate bits of yeah him and him and Yuki Ishikawa going back and forth with each other was an absolute joy. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, sad you weren't there. This... But... But at least you got to see them ambition. An ambition, exactly. Yeah, like I mean, I, I have those two matches um, as my number two and three of the year. Actually, that that's how highly I thought of them. You know, the the mm. ambition match I just thought was incredible. You know that, um, like, if you like shoot style wrestling and you like your wrestling to be realistic, then you know you're just going to love that stuff. You know, it's it's mm. just like, and he's he's an incredible guy, really, Ishikawa. Like when he walks to the ring, he's this frail old man and you're kind of thinking god is this is it even right that this guy is wrestling and then the minute the bell goes he just turns into this animal you know it's just incredible and i mean there was a certain element of thatcher working around his his age and that kind of thing but it's it's a style that's almost age proof you know what i mean like you're not doing anything more than than grappling and striking but that's like that's that's all i want from professional wrestling is what those guys did for for much longer than i thought actually like that that was how long was that match in ambition it was well over 20 minutes i think yeah yeah Uh, he did the same thing at Inner Circle. The tag was the by far the longest match on the card. They, yeah. they gave it time. To be honest, on Ambition, it was the most ambition style of that of that card. Uh, oh, I, mean, uh, yeah. I think you were high on it, weren't you? I didn't love the, the Ambition card this year, but uh, I thought that was the absolute highlight. Uh, and yeah. partly because they gave it so much time. I, I like I like the Ambition tournament. I, I, I think it was different this year because it was a whole, apart from... Um, it was seven other guys who were specifically flown in for Ambition. And because of that... They made the matches longer. Now, I mean, some people would be of the opinion that shoot style matches should be short and should be two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I thought it was actually one of the stronger ambition tournaments of all. Um, going back to all the ones they've had over the years, I, I thought. It, it, yeah, no, I, I just, I just, it's, it's just the style that I like. And mm-hmm. like Chris Ridgway was there. Like that was the the match with a kid. I think Chris Ridgway is is good at a certain level. I think there's a ceiling to his matches, but I thought in this environment, in that A Kid match, like is probably the best I've ever seen him. I thought it was fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I thought Aria to me was a bit of a revelation in the tournament. Like he's not a guy you would expect to work in that environment, and he mm-hmm. didn't necessarily work a shoot style. <laughs> no, he was just he doing was pro wrestling style, wasn't he? But, 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 but in a way that fitted in, like he, he didn't never did anything that seemed unrealistic, like he wasn't doing Irish whips or anything like that. Like if the opportunity was there to pick a guy up and drop him on his head, he was doing it, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, if you think back to Vader, back in, in the UWFI, like, I mean, he, he wouldn't Robert. necessarily... Yeah, they wouldn't be shoot style guys, but like a big guy doing brutal moves works in that environment as well. And um, it was great. And Rico Bushido was a revelation. My God, just the charisma, the shape he's in. The three matches were fantastic. I thought like I would happily have him as a regular member of the roster if he was doing those kind of matches all the time. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he's got a lot of charisma. As he, I'm not a huge fan of his commentary, uh, but I did enjoy him <laughs> yeah. out there just yeah. doing what he loves. Uh, mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
man any other highlights for you from the weekend or anything else you'd uh, you'd say about the weekend if we've got any any listeners who are thinking about coming out to tag league or coming out to carrot next year i would say that even if the wrestling had been poor it's still a brilliant weekend away i mean it's it, it, it's at the point where you know it's you couldn't walk 10 meters in the venue without somebody a face you knew from back home or got somebody you knew from twitter or somebody you'd met before it it's to me it's my wrestlemania weekend like i would have absolutely no interest in spending thousands of euro on, on a trip to wrestlemania for lots and lots of shows where guys are wrestling five or six times a day on different shows and putting in half-assed performances mm-hmm. when i can go to germany for on for 300 euro flights accommodation tickets the whole lot and see the quality that we've seen, you know, and then the whole social side of it. Um, shout out to the two Sarahs for the, the bowling competition on the Friday night, which you almost won by one <laughs> thing. Um, you were on my lane as well. You saw it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think you're a bit of a ringer. There's no way you're, you're, you're walking in there doing four strikes in a row and, <laughs> and telling us you've not been practicing. I think you've been practicing <laughs> hard in the meantime. I think you're working us all. But... Um, but yeah, no, I think that that was a, that was a great addition to the weekend. Like a very tiring weekend. Like you're not going over there expecting to get a good night's sleep because you, no. if you get two or three hours a night, but it's worth it, and it's worth the exhaustion afterwards. It's worth the hoarseness. Like there's memories there that I'll treasure forever, you know. And it's not just the wrestling; it's the friendship, it's the the chance to meet people, it's everything that goes with it. It's I could not recommend it. If you're a fan of wrestling and you live in Europe, you have to go to this next year. It's just brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, you guys talked quite a while there about uh, WXW, and all I saw pictures of these uh, Pizza Max. Benno, can you explain to me? I mean, obviously McDonald's seems to be the only place anyone goes to eat all weekend. Uh, what what the hell is a Pizza Max? <laughs> well, I mean, James, you mentioned the highs and the lows there of like a long weekend away where, yeah, there's there's a lot of wrestling going on, and you know, you're flying from show to show. There's a day where there's a... Uh, wrestling cult show at 10 in the morning then there's ambition at 12 wrestling deutschland at three which is like a combination of all different companies having shows and then you get the carrot nice and then you get the after party that's just one day and when you're doing that and you're in an area like oberhausen where let's be honest james there's not a lot going on is that yeah, uh, yeah. The, the only places to eat around the venue i think i've said that before on this podcast is there's a mcdonald's there's a Burger king and there's a kebab, kebab van <laughs> so you'll take I mean, I'm not a man who eats cheese, so the yeah, the pizza mac wasn't for me. But you'll take those little differences in Germany. You're like, oh, this is different. I feel like, I mean, oh, real German food when you have a hot dog from McDonald's or you get a chicken <laughs> wing box that you're not used to getting or some curly fries. But yeah, the pizza mac was like pizza bread on on top and bottom, kind of cheese and tomato with a Big Mac in the middle. Wow. Uh, it definitely beats what we do over here. Whenever our but whenever our McDonald's has like a special on, all you really get is they'll throw some bacon on it and they'll they'll call it like, the, the New York legend or something like that you've definitely got us i don't know if you had one jamesy no no i was a chicken box man good man 20 pieces of chicken in a box and that'll that'll get you sorted for the day yeah but yeah that 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 saturday is a war of attrition like i mean i I managed to get to all four shows and there's no like you're not sitting at it it's all standing for the entire day and like by the time i didn't bother with the after party i'm too old for all that carry on (laughs) my back and my feet by the end of that day were in bad shit my back is still not right after it like it's it's a war like it's it's all you you almost take it as a challenge to get through all these these shows you know but um it's 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 definitely worth it i mean if you're a wrestling nerd who who, who goes to excessive means to watch wrestling then you're just gonna love this you know 
Yeah, definitely. Just as we'll say, as a, a as men of a certain age, just bring a comfortable pair of shoes. I think that's, that's <laughs> the most. Going to take a lesson from BW. Take that. <laughs> yeah, it certainly sounds like an absolutely fantastic weekend. Definitely, I said this every year. Definitely to get over there. It's a really mm-hmm. poor planning on my part that I always miss it out <laughs> every year. But uh, we'll get you to tag league, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good to go, yeah. And um, I mean, moving on to uh, sort of like less exciting things now, and. Uh, <laughs> The last episode of uh, NXT UK was a continuation of the tapings held at Con- Coventry Skydome. And uh, main talking points for this one were uh, Kaylee Ray making a debut. She basically smashed through Candy Floss. And then the uh, main event tag team match pitting Walter and Pete Dunne against the uh, Coffee Brothers. Uh, pretty enjoyable main event for NXT UK, I thought, as the road continues to take over Brooklyn and uh, Walter v. Pete Dunne for the WUK belt. Uh, I mean, Benno, we... Seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern again, don't we, with these tapings as uh, we wait for that big match to happen, which will no doubt deliver, but it's an, it's an odd road to get to it. Yeah, that's it. It just means you've got a, uh, an undercard that's kind of just shuffling between matches and not a huge amount you know, to plan too long term. Um, even, to be honest, the Walter Pete Dunn stuff, it's WWE paint by numbers bucket, isn't it? Going to the war the tag team partners. Will they get along? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've seen it a million times, and that's kind of my main criticism. I won't go over it too much because I've got a huge amount of time, but NXT UK is, you know, NXT itself was really fresh when it came out, and everyone loved it because it was different, and people still love it now, mainly the takeovers, but there's not really anything different about NXT UK. It's just copying that formula and and going over the old tropes. Um, But yeah, I would say, yeah, if anyone's going to tune in to watch anything, you know, yeah, that Walton and Pete Dunne versus Coffee Brothers match was was pretty solid. Um, but to be honest, most of it was when Pete Dunne and Walter were on offense. I think when the uh, when the Coffee Boys were going, I was uh, I was struggling. It was struggling to hold even my attention as I was trying to make notes. I don't know if you fared any better, Jamesy. Yeah, like I mean, I, I'm not a regular NXT viewer, NXT UK viewer. I, I'd be more inclined to watch US NXT, but even at this point, my WWE viewing in general is just if I hear a match is good, I'll watch it. And I, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched a full episode of NXT UK. It doesn't hold an awful lot of interest to me. I, I look like I'll read a review the morning after it's aired, and there's, there's very rarely a match that I look at and say that seems interesting to me. Like, it's just, it's, it's, we know what it is. I mean, that they, we don't need to go over it again. Like it, mm. it's basically, a, it's a cynical enterprise that's done to suppress other people rather than to help anyone else. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what it is. We'll probably get a very good match, a takeover between Pete Dunne and Walter. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, you know, they are what they are like, but like, I, I, to be honest, I tried to watch that main event because uh, I knew we were going to talk about it today. And I, <laughs> I, I just had to turn it off. Like after the matches I saw Walter have in the last eight days, sitting there watching him have a, have a pretty okay-ish TV match. And as you said, the laziest WWE trope of all, the tag team partners who, who can't coexist and are about to have a big match. It's like, <laughs> oh, like it's just, there's so much more better, fresher, yeah. more interesting rest. So much going on over the world. I don't have time for this. You know, it's as simple as that. I would say as a positive though, like, you know, I am genuinely looking forward to the match. I think they're going to, yeah. I, I do, I haven't seen a, you know, a, Pete Dunne's had solid matches, but as far as standout matches, it's been a little bit, a little bit of a while. I think mm. him and Walter is going to be that match for him. So I am, you know, as much as the TV can be a bit of a slog, looking forward to that. And I think I do say, I think as well, the TV was worth watching just to see uh, 
Cassius Ono cut that promo being the only man who uh, who follows the real British traditions and all these all these <laughs> modern Brit wrestlers are all pretenders. It was great because he was playing up his his history of coming over to this country and doing you know proper round style matches that yeah. are kind of uh, and very much well. out of us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so at least there's that. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that uh, Walter VP done match for uh, NXT, but I mean, the takeover rather, but it just goes to show how much faith they've got in their actual NXT UK brand that they're running the biggest match they could possibly have on the takeover. Mm. I mean, perhaps they're hoping this will put more eyes on NXT UK, I don't know, but it just seems like it'd be better off suited having it on a big UK show, you know, that's... That's the biggest match they've got to offer, you know, and it, it would make more sense having it on an actual UK show. But uh, I mean, people might say we're a bit too uh, um, sort of like negative on NXT UK. But I, I think uh, James has summed it up perfectly there. When you're watching Walter and, and people like that having these incredible matches yeah. elsewhere and then watching think, this, it just uh, it just seems completely pointless. It just seems yeah. like a, a pointless exercise to have this you know, churned out. I'm sure it's great for the guys, you know, they might be making more money or, uh, you know, if it's a dream to be in WWE, but I mean, this isn't WWE proper, is it? It just seems like they'd be better off moving, you know, the main guys onto NXT proper. I don't know what you think, Benno. Yeah, because I think we've, we've, you know, we spent this show talking about two places. You can see Walter in a much more exciting environment than, than can TV. Uh, you don't really get that with Pete Dunne anymore. You know, that's a good or a bad thing because you can only really see Pete Dunne in can TV unless, you know, OTT pull another miracle out <laughs> or you manage to see him in a progress dark match that he was in uh, this last week as well. Uh, but yeah, there isn't just a... If you're a British wrestling fan, there's just not a huge amount of reason to be checking out this weekly NXT to UK TV. And maybe that's harsh because, like I say, NXT proper, I don't really watch the weekly TV. Poor uh, Braden and Davey you watch that every week. But for me, I'm in and out on the takeovers. I think if, it, if we had takeovers and you could, you know, if we weren't doing a podcast like this as well, you could just come in and out of takeovers. I think it would be a more enjoyable product. But, yeah, as far as uh, must-watch TV in a given week, it's uh, it's certainly not there. And, yeah, I can't. Even, if Pete, even you know, if Walter and Pete don't go out there and kill it at takeover, um, if people rush out to, to then start watching this weekly TV, I think they're probably going to be a little bit disappointed as much as, you know, we've had a, a few solid TV matches these last few months. So just um, a couple of New Japan stories before we get out of here. I mean, the company released a video during one of the days of uh, the New Japan Cup showing El Fantasma and stating that it'll be coming soon. A uh, video also featured uh, the Bullet Club logo. And it's, uh, I mean, it's been rumoured they'd be making his debut for the company as part of uh, the best of the Super Junior tournament. But uh, I wasn't expecting a video package for him here. Uh, the Bullet Club stuff wasn't totally out of the blue. I think I said a while back that they needed a new Canadian member since Kenny Omega left. They like to have a member from sort of like all the different countries represented, don't they? I mean, great news, Fantasmo, uh, Benno. I mean, he's always a solid part of British wrestling for the past year or so. Great for him, yeah, because he's someone who, yeah, he's someone who's he feels like he's that that next level of you know, is he going to get over the hump? He's he's someone who has very good matches but doesn't really have great matches. He's someone who. I would say following him in Rev Pro, you know, from winning the the British J Cup last year to to see him in at York Hall a few weeks ago, I think he's he's become more of a confident wrestler, and I think New Japan will help in that regard. 
but I do scratch my head at the Bullet Club idea. It's just like nothing about El Fantasmo and his, you know, colourful sunglasses and his <laughs> fun, you know, his entrance and his rope walking. Nothing about that screams Bullet Club. It says for me, as I'm, you know, as high as anybody on the New Japan product, and I don't think we're on a downswing by any means, but it, it does feel a little bit like, oh, we've lost a lot of, you know, Western guys. We need a Western guy to be in the Bullet Club. Oh, well, he's next on the ledger as people we were going to get. Um, yeah, doesn't fit for me. Um, and it's going to feel a little bit weird seeing uh, El Fantasma now in Cockpit and, uh, and your call shows if he starts coming out in that Bullet Club gear. Yeah, it's, uh, it just seems like uh, the old NWO trope, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, throw a T-shirt on him. Yeah, we need someone to work the house shows. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and just a, a final note, um, according to Wrestling Observer, New Japan have sold around 4,500 tickets for their big show at the Copper Box Arena in London in August. The capacity for the venue is listed around 7,000. And months ago until the show, they must be really pleased with how many tickets they've sold for it, Jamesy. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, and especially in the context of that show that's gone on sale in the last week in Dallas as well, that's only sold 1,500 or something like that. Mm. So clearly there's 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 a difference in how they've tried. I feel like they've treated the US market very badly. I think they've they, they've run the same areas too much. They haven't delivered cards of the quality that people expect and it's showing in how their tickets are selling. So um I think most people who went to those two shows last year that were kind of co-promoted by Rev Pro and New Japan were pretty happy with what they got. You know, I think they felt to a certain extent they got a genuine New Japan experience. The matches at the top of the card delivered. Um, there was some really top quality stuff. And, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. You know, for, I think that's really impressive. 4,000, like, I mean, you know, they've sold what Progress sold um, in the space of a week for the same city. You know, I think it's great for replacing them, you know. You should never underestimate the, the hardcore fan population, both in Ireland and in Britain. It's just this. Yeah. We will come out, won't we, for big events? I think I think part yeah. of it as well with America, it's kind of, you know, they've done it now. Um, this is this still feels fresh. I mean, I was one of the yeah. ones negative going into the Rev Pro New Japan co-promoted shows last year because they didn't feel very New Japan, but they did deliver on the night. So, you know, I still walked mm. out, yeah. walked out positive and People walked out happy, somewhere. I think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Someone who, who will, you know, I haven't bought a ticket yet and I should probably get a move on with these ticket sales. <laughs> uh, but I am someone who, you know, is definitely going to buy a ticket. And yeah, it's special, isn't it? And we will, uh, as British and Irish fans, turn up when something is special and something's fresh like this. So, yeah, I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised that they're, they're doing those numbers, uh, thinking about it in hindsight. I mean, yeah, especially looking down the price list. I mean, uh, the sort of like round the ringside weren't exactly cheap, were they? So it'll be interesting to see how many of the ringside and uh, sort of like second row tickets they have sold. Um, and just before we leave, Benno, you've got some uh, big news concerning your non-post wrestling commitments. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, listeners to the show will be used to me uh, often pimping my other podcast. Uh, we've moved the podcast. We are now, uh, the podcast is Spotlight with myself, JP uh, Houlihan, who's been on this show before, and Joe Lemon, who's been on this show before. Uh, we pretend we talk about wrestling, but to be honest, we spent half the time talking <laughs> EastEnders, Coronation Street, and we were supposed to be at the start of British Wrestling Show, but that very quickly changed, because we just talk about whatever we really feel like, and yeah, we've uh, entered into a, a partnership of sorts with Grapple. We're going to be the uh, the official podcast of the of the Grapple app that people can download on uh, on iTunes and Google Play, uh, the app where you can uh, rate your match 
matches and pretend you're Dave Meltzer. Uh, yeah, we're going to be the, the official podcast, The Grapple. We're going to be releasing every Monday, and it's going to be, yeah, myself, Joe, and JP just talking about everything we've been watching uh, within the week, which will include some British wrestling, but we'll, as we just talked about, include some New Japan, include other worldwide wrestling as well. So, yeah, hopefully uh, people will come along with us for the ride because we're, we're really made up to be, to be uh, in partnership with Grapple. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, really looking forward to a weekly show from you guys. And obviously, uh, post-wrestling fans will know uh, Grapple from, uh, I think, Waiting. And uh, John has spoken about it quite a bit on uh, on their various shows. So, yeah, definitely uh, excited to hear that podcast. And uh, so we head out of here. Uh, Jamesy, have you got any uh, plugs you want to make here? Uh, nothing really, no. Uh, my Twitter is at Jamesy underscore 2015. Um, I do most months, I'll write a review article for Fighting Spirit magazine. Um, that's about it, really. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Excellent. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Well, thank you, guys. Honestly, this is it was a real honor and a pleasure to be asked. Like, this is one of the what there's very few podcasts I listen to on a regular weekly basis, and this is one of them. So, it was just a great thrill for me to be invited on and will hopefully come back on again in the future if you'll have me. Yeah, most Very definitely. Nice. Yeah, 13 years in the making, JBMZ. I we tell you, I tell you. <laughs> hopefully it won't take another 13 before the next one, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, any feedback, uh, forum.postwrestling.com and also, uh, I'm sure you've heard, but uh, John and Way will be doing a live show over uh, WrestleMania weekend at the Broadway Comedy Club uh, doing a Q&A show and a bit of a meet and greet. That'll be on the Sunday of uh, WrestleMania, uh, April the 7th. Um, I think the show takes place uh, at 12 o'clock, so yeah, a 90-minute show. So before, be sure to uh, get your tickets to that if you're heading over for WrestleMania weekend. And uh, yeah, to the forum, leave your feedback for us for this week's show. And uh, I'll be away on holiday for the next few weeks, uh, so Benno's going to be holding down the fort uh, for our next show on April the 3rd. So thanks for listening and be sure to check that out.